Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's time for Come and Talk It with your host, Michael Cargill, brought to you by Texas Law Shield. Over the last decade, Michael has championed and supported the rights of law-abiding Texans to own and use firearms. He is the owner of Central Texas Gunworks, a veteran of the United States Army, and has achieved national exposure in such prestigious media outlets such as Forbes Magazine, Fox Business News, CNN Money, AOL, BBC World News, Huffington Post, and the New York Times. Cargill vigorously defends lawful gun ownership in this country without regard to party politics. And now, here's Michael Cargill. Good afternoon, Austin, Texas, the live music capital of the world. Let's praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. Today, we will have on the phone Tom Taylor, the Chief Marketing Officer and Executive Vice President for Sig Sauer. Also, we have inside the studio my favorite instructor, Rachel Malone, with Texas Firearms Freedom. Also, on the phone later in the hour, we will have Raul Roy Camacho with safety measures. But first, let me welcome to the show the executive VP for Sig Sauer, Tom Taylor. Tom, welcome to Come and Talk It, sir. How you doing? All right. Hey, Tom, welcome to Come and Talk It. How you doing, sir? Hey, I'm good, Mike. How are you? Outstanding. So, uh, man, there's a lot going on with Six Hour. You guys, oh my goodness, it's um, it's been incredible the last few uh, couple of years, couple of months, couple of weeks. You name it, it's been really incredible to uh, track kind of where the company's going uh, these days. Yeah, and I, and I hear you guys uh, have got a really big contract with the U.S. Army. Yeah, uh, a week ago Thursday, uh, we were notified that we had been awarded the. Uh, the U.S. military contract, and uh, unfortunately, I can't talk much about it. We're kind of in a quiet period, but um, you know, it's it's exciting because it's only the third time um, since basically 1911 uh, that this has happened. You know, we have the 1911, the Beretta, and now the Sig. Um, what the base of the gun is the P320. So, uh, pretty pretty exciting stuff to uh, to be awarded that contract against some obviously some pretty uh, pretty strong competitors. Okay, you guys got a lot of new stuff going on. Also, so uh, what, what's new from the Shot Show? Yeah, I mean, we just uh, just back from from Shot, and uh, you know what? A big what most people notice at Shot is you know our, our sort of current uh, brand positioning is that you know Sig has become a complete systems provider, and uh, you know everybody knows us for our our uh, you know handguns first, and the rifles have come on in recent years, but you know also um, I'll talk a little bit about ammo, optics, uh, suppressors, air guns. Um, you know, we've decided to, to try to be a full-service, uh, um, really, firearm supply company, and, uh, you know, the strategy's working pretty well. But, but it just uh, at SHOT Show alone, I think some of the most exciting stuff, uh, um, talk about the 320, you know, being awarded the, uh, or a variant of the 320 being awarded the U.S. military contract is the 320RX. You know, I think over the last couple of years, a lot of people have, have gotten familiar with the, the 320, but... Um, the RX model is very exciting. So, you know, I think if you look at over the past few years, people have been, you know, pretty pleased with the, uh, like a, a Smith & Wesson M&P Core or a, a 
Glock MOS, and, and then you go out and you buy a reflex optic for it. I think the part of the issue has been that you you know you're probably into that gun for eleven or twelve hundred dollars by the time you buy the gun, the optic, and get it sighted in, and, and make the two systems work together. And what's excited about the the 320 RX is that when you buy the gun, the optic, the, our, our Romeo One reflex optic, is installed on the gun, sighted in, uh, ready to go, and it's been fully tested. Uh, the the optic has been fully tested to uh, up to ten thousand rounds, um, which is um, pretty significant, I think, versus our competition. And and you know when when I think when you buy a Sig, you expect a certain thing. So when you buy Sig optic, you certainly want to. Uh, you know, expect something really good. So um, I don't know if you've ever shot a, a reflex optic handgun, but it kind of changes the the way you shoot. Oh, nice. Uh, and so yeah. uh, you say you guys are getting into the business of ammunition. What is what exactly does that mean? Yeah, um, about two years ago, Sig decided to enter uh, um, the uh, the ammunition uh, area, and you know I think. I think when you hear a lot of companies, there's there's two ways people do it. Most most commonly, that's acquisition. You know, a lot of companies have gone out and acquired companies, or ammunition companies have acquired other companies. In the case of uh, you know Federal, who's a, one of the big boys, and they've you know their company has expanded and acquired a lot of different things. But Sig decided to go about it a little different route. Um, we we brought in our own um, business leader who is very experienced, and went out and began to hire our own staff and started our own facility uh, in Kentucky, and we, the, the ammo, the, the Sig Sauer uh, uh, Elite Performance V-Crown, which is the first thing we came out with, uh, which is a really high-performance self-defense uh, round, and we have it basically in all pistol calibers now. Uh, started in 9 millimeter, but it's now grown to pretty much everything in handgun. We started there and um, made our own product, and the, the category for us has grown so quickly that... Uh, Target date is March. Or sorry, March 10th. Uh, we'll be opening a, a brand new facility in Arkansas uh, that'll make nothing but but uh, our own ammo. Um, we'll be making the, the the hollow point that we call V Crown ball ammo, uh, rifle ammo this year. The newest shot show in ammo. Uh, we're expanding into a number of uh, hunting calibers. We'll start with it'll be called Sig HT. Uh, we'll be in 223, 308. Um, we'll we have a number of uh, variants in 300 blackout, um, and then over the year we'll be expanding to 22-250, and you know 30 out six, and so on. The typical, we'll be in the you know eight or, tw- or ten or twelve uh, typical hunting uh, caliber. So we're we're a full service ammo supplier, and we make our own. And uh, now in Kentucky, and uh, by midway through this year, everything will pretty much be in house in our new uh, new Arkansas facility. Okay, and we got a couple of people here inside the studio here who want to ask you some questions. Well, I'm sure. more of a compliment. I do really like your 9mm um, you first spoke about. I actually compared it to some ball ammunition, probably not the best example, but one thing I noticed, it was ridiculously a lot smoother, so I could definitely vouch for y'all's line that I'm definitely impressed. Well, appreciate it. And one, one thing that, you know, not a lot, there's only actually one other ammo that does this, but when we developed our, our ball and our V-crown or our hollow point, uh, they they do um, have the same point of aim. So when you go to the range and want to, you know, pound out a bunch of ball at a, a little cheaper uh, price point, and then uh, change your ammo into your uh, hollow point, it's the same point of aim. So you don't have to worry about allowing or practicing with your as much with your uh, uh, hollow point. I mean, obviously you should practice, but um, you know you just you can knowing they have the same point of aim, it makes a pretty big difference. Thanks. So appreciate the feedback. You're welcome. 
So I have a quick question for you. With you getting the uh, military contract and, you know, how many ever guns you're going to have to make for them, is that going to affect your consumer? Like if I go to Cabela's or, you know, any gun store, you know, Central Texas Gunworks or anything, and I try to buy your buy your SIG, am I going to have any issues or were you able to fully expand enough to compensate for that so there's not going to be a lack? Yeah, I mean, the uh, you know, we've been sort of planning for this day. If, if it came, we, we knew we had to make some pretty significant uh, changes to our capacity, and uh, we've been planning for that. We, we've been planning for space, for equipment, for, you know, anything that uh, we do with regard to the 320, we've been planning for that. And so, uh, you know, it'd be hard to say it won't affect it at all. Um, but for right now, especially in the early uh, portion of the contract, um, it doesn't, it's not going to affect it quite honestly, as much as the overall demand in the commercial market. Um, we've, we've been behind on the 320 for over a year, and you know, that, we do have a lot of other uh, law enforcement military contracts. You know, that would say the, the normal flow of that type of business. But the, the issue we've had with the 320 is just that it continues to gain popularity. And uh, now introducing the RX and, and the other, as I started talking about it a while ago, the other gun in the 320 line is that was probably the biggest hit at SHOT Show is called the X-Series. And the X-Series is actually the frame and the platform that the, the military project was built around. And, um, you know, that's, that was probably our, our biggest hit of the show. So um, I'd say the bigger issue is just demand. Um, so we, you know, we we're, we're ramping up as fast as we can, and, and we hope to keep up. And like I said, the military contract will be more of a slow, slow roll into the big numbers. And by the time we do that, they, they sort of give us time to, uh, to catch up. All right, so you don't expect the military contract to really slow things down with uh, the production of everything else? No, no. I, I mean, it's, it's um, we, like I said, to, to do something like that at the magnitude of that contract, we had to make plans to be ready for it, and, and we get a little bit of time to do that. But, um, you know, the, the 320 had already reached a certain level of popularity, and, and I guess the downside is the upside, you know, overall, the, the downside for, for the consumer long term is that the popularity of the gun just keeps making it kind of hard to get. So that's the that's the bigger issue is just the demand in the consumer market right now. Shifting gears a little bit, as a manufacturer, what are your thoughts on the new progress of the Hearing Protection Act? Well, you know, all we can do is, is uh, you know, kind of follow along. And we are, you know, as, as a manufacturer, we are involved in the American Suppressor Association. We're involved in the uh, the lobbying on the legislation for that as a suppressor manufacturer, and uh, you know, we just like everybody else are, are um, you know, we're trying to do our part to to move that along. It's obviously it changes things. Uh, if you can walk into a gun store and buy buy your firearm and then buy your suppressor in the same manner, just simply by doing your 4473 and walking out with a suppressor. I mean, uh, talk about capacity constraints. Um, you know, if that happens, uh, we'll have to be. That'll might be a bigger challenge than the 320 if uh, if that happens. We're we're a little concerned that with all the things on the new um, you know regimes plate that we're not sure if that's even a, something they're going to take on this year in 2017. We hope we're hopeful of that, but more of what we're hearing is it's probably more like a 2018 initiative. So, uh, uh, but we will uh, will certainly be part of the fight to try to make it happen as uh, as fast as we can. 
Hi, this is Rachel. Um, so as a firearms instructor, I'm very interested in the phenomenon of the reflex optics on handguns. And as you mentioned, yeah, they, they definitely take a steep learning curve and take specific training to be able to use them. Um, so as an instructor, it's important to me to stay on top of that curve and be able to instruct people coming in. I'm wondering, do you foresee those really taking over um, the standard sights on pistols? You know, I, th- I think it's hard to say. Um, right now, our estimates are that only about between 1% and 2% of shooters have, have ever really um, put them on their guns and sure. used them. So it's a very low number. As a, Rachel, as an instructor, you probably know that. Right. Um, but, you know, I think it's uh, when people get a chance to shoot them, and as you've probably done, it, it is a game changer. Right. Uh, it, it's, you know, think about 10 years ago, the coolest thing you could do was throw like a Troy battle site on your uh, your AR and you thought you were cool. Now you go to the, the range and you know nobody goes to the range without a red dot on their AR because it's so much easier to shoot. And so you know because we hope to make this both affordable but also at the same time have a, a very high quality product on something that's very difficult to make high quality. I'll, I'll add. I mean the a handgun of all things really beats that optic up and it took quite a bit of uh, it took about 18 months from the from the time we finished it till the time we sort of blessed it and said it was ready to get it, uh, uh, you know, launched to market. And so um, I think it's just like everything else. It'll take training, but once people put it on their gun and once it becomes hopefully more affordable, you know, not just from us, but from other manufacturers, you know, it'll, it really will make, uh, it'll continue, I think, to make shooting more fun, as we all know that do it, Um, and it'll introduce more new shooters to the sport uh, and to self-defense and um, all those great things. Cool. That sounds great. All right, so let me go to the phone line. Our call-in number is 512-643-LIVE. That's 512-643-5483. Come and talk it. So let me go to line one, Justin DeLosh, Legislative Director for Lone Star Gun Rights. Justin, you had a question for the VP of Six Hour. I'm doing great. Yeah, I've got a question, actually, regarding the, uh, now that we're on the topic of uh, red dot sites. How come not design a firearm around a red dot sight? Because I, I think one of the biggest hurdles about those is just uh, they're cumbersome and they're they're kind of uncomfortable to carry. Why not design a slide that has something integrated into it to where it's fully protected and much more low profile? I think that's a one of the greatest questions that can be asked. And if, if a, a manufacturer is not working on something like that, I think that'd be remiss. I mean, that's you know, that's uh, that's it's, I, I think. As Rachel asked a while ago, it is it is going to be a little bit of a wave of the future, and the more we can get it down, you know, onto the slide and and potentially even manufacture it into the slide, I think that's a wonderful idea, and um, it's uh, it's something that I think could be out there in the future. And I definitely feel like if the uh, suppressor bill goes through, I, I think that a lot of firearms are going to start coming integrally suppressed, and we're going to stop seeing as many can sales, and we're going to start seeing a lot more new models of firearms coming out with the stuff integral because obviously the price of stuff will be much cheaper um, as well because of the quantity of the stuff you're going to be selling. Yeah, I think if you look in the, the back shops of most, um, you know, sort of mill grade um, AR style rifles, mm-hmm. um, you know, you'd see projects that have those integral muzzles and that sort of thing. The military has been sort of on that and, you know, they've understood this hearing issue for many, many years and, and I think that's been sort of on the drawing board and then I think some of the funding got pulled back from that when we pulled back, you know, from our, our current conflict uh, a few years ago. But I think everybody understands that that is the future. And I think we talk you talk about red dot optics on handguns. You talk about integral suppression. I think um, I think with a friendly environment, because I mean, if you think about it, as manufacturers, we have to spend a lot of time sort of 
you know, in certain environments, fighting to help save the Second Amendment and that sort of thing, just like, you know, millions and millions of Americans do. We, we invest a lot of time and effort in that. But now that we can hopefully take a deep breath on that side of the equation and begin to, to work on legislation that will make all, all things easier for us, that, that we who support firearms in the Second Amendment know make uh, shooting easier and quieter and more, you know, healthy for your ears and all those things, uh, I think you'll see. I think you're going to see a lot of innovation um, over the coming years. I think that's. I think that's where we're headed. All right. Awesome. Okay. Man. Now I've got a good, real good. quick, Mike. I've got a question regarding the the 320 now. All right. Go for it. Uh, the, sure. the the 320 is that is that called the Mark 25? Correct. No. The the P320 is our striker fired um, uh, handgun. It's uh, it's different. The, the the MK25 was the you know classic 226. Been around for. For many many years, and the MK25 uh, variant is the gun the Navy SEALs have been carrying for many many years. So um, that, that's what I was that's what I was going to was regarding that. I guess I guess the new 320 is going to be called the MK17 then, the Mark 17. Uh, well, well, to be honest with you, the 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 project name the military signed to it when it was in development was the XM17. This is all in the press release, so it's, it's you can go read it. But that's why I can talk about it. But the uh, the project was called XM17, and and our understanding is the finished product is called the M17. Uh, and and so maybe along the same lines as the M9, I don't know. But uh, to be honest with you, we don't know what it's going to be called yet, and that's kind of why it's a quiet gotcha. period right now. The the military hasn't told us, you know, any more information about what they want to call it. And and to be uh, to be honest, they're the boss. You know, we not when you go through a a contract uh, battle like this and and you know you end up in this position all we can do is is sort of uh, respect their wishes and and uh, go with it so when you read about it right now a lot of people are going to be call, going to be calling it the M17 but in terms of you know commercial um, you know the commercial name or what they allow us to do in the commercial market is still uh, somewhat unknown all right, man, I tell you, thanks, Tom. I really appreciate you coming on the show today and laying this out for us. Uh, and I definitely wish you luck down the road with SIG, and I hope we can still get those products out this year. Well, we're, we're pedaling as fast as we can, I'll tell you that. <laughs> All right, awesome, man. Thank you, Tom Taylor, Executive VP with SIG Sour. All right. All right, so we're we're talking with Sig. Uh, we're talking about what's going on down the road. Uh, we're also after this break, we're going to discuss constitutional carry. Some instructors are for, some instructors are against. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. Hello, this is Gerald Darty, and I'm the Precinct Three County Commissioner here in Travis County, and you're listening to Come and Talk It. Welcome back to Come and Talk It with Michael Cargill. We're talking all things firearms. Now, here's Michael Cargill. And now it's time for GGN Global Gun News. Global Gun News sponsored by GDS Enterprise. GDS, the largest supplier of AR-15 parts and accessories. So for all of your AR-15 parts and accessory needs, go to GDS Enterprise. Located at 321 West Ben White Boulevard, Suite 202 in Austin, Texas. Located right next door to Central Texas Gun works in the news new hampshire constitutional carry while a gun control bill in new hampshire was going through a hearing with the criminal justice committee a constitutional carry bill was being passed through the new hampshire senate judiciary committee 
The governor gave his support to the bill in a statement released on the 9th of this month. In the statement, he described the bill as common sense legislation in support of citizens' fundamental right to carry a firearm. The bill passed the Senate along party lines with the majority 13 Republican senators voting for the bill, while the minority 10 Democrat senators voted against it. The bill is expected to pass in the House since it is also Republican majority controlled. Previous bills have attempted to be put through, but have been vetoed in their attempts by former Governor Maggie Hassan. Would-be robbers scared away in Dallas. Last Saturday morning, a Dallas man was lying in his bed asleep when he heard a noise that caused him concern. Luckily, he was prepared. He awoke and looked at his security monitors set up around his home. The camera footage shows two young men, one armed with a rifle, the other with a crowbar, as they attempted to break open the homeowner's door. Seeing this on the screen, the homeowner, the homeowner Terry Morgan, quickly grabbed his shotgun and went to scare them away. He scared them away with a loud noise as he approached the door. That's when they started to shoot into the house as they began to escape. Morgan opened the door and fired back at the burglars while they tried to run to a vehicle with three other individuals. Morgan has this message for the would-be burglars. Over here, we have nothing. You know, you take it for people who have nothing and we'll fight for everything, every last inch. Find something better. Educate yourselves. Get something that you can do better than breaking in people's homes because you will be killed. The footage from earlier in the night shows a female who was working with the others attempting to determine if anyone was home by knocking on the door. Morgan wasn't hurt and doesn't believe he was able to shoot any of the suspects. Wyoming making its way to Campus Carey. A Wyoming State House Judiciary Committee further advanced a pair of bills earlier this week that would effectively legalize Campus Carey if they were instated. The bill's supporters, like Republican Rep. Bo Bittman, stated, quote, The purpose of the bill is to restore fundamental and natural rights to self-defense, end quote. Some parents have even come out in support of the bill, saying they would feel safer knowing that good guys with guns would be able to protect their children while on campus. Jan Loftus, one of those parents, stated, Criminals target areas. As we all know, they are not allowed to have guns. End quote. Detractors from the bill are saying that it would create more crime, such as Chris Boswell, who is worried about the likelihood of suicide on campus increasing if campus carry were allowed to pass. House Bill 136 advanced through the Judiciary Committee, and the bill would allow the carry of firearms by a licensed individual on college campuses, including an athletic event without written consent from the school. The same day, the committee advanced... HB 137, which allows concealed carry by a licensed person into any government entity or any meeting of the legislature or committee thereof. Senator Anthony Bouchard, also a sponsor of the bill, said, quote, in a perfect world, we wouldn't require a permit to carry on campus, end quote. Arizona Hero Speaks Out. 
After an anonymous Good Samaritan saved the life of an Arizona state trooper earlier this month when the trooper was being beaten on the side of the road, the story got some national attention. For some time, the Good Samaritan elected to remain unknown, but recently his identity was revealed to the public as 43-year-old Thomas Yoxall, a photographer, avid reader, and a former felon with restored gun rights. As he detailed in a press conference, he takes his responsibility of being a gun owner very seriously with a lot of discipline, despite the fact that he has no law enforcement or military experience. He describes the event and the impact it had on himself in this press conference. That morning, I never would have dreamt that I was gonna save somebody's life, let alone take the life of another individual. It is something that will stick with me. As I was coming up onto the scene, slowing down, I can see Trooper Anderson's lights on and the flares in the road. As I proceeded to go forward, I noticed the suspect on top of Trooper Anderson beating him in a savage way. I immediately pulled over, responded to Trooper Anderson. My commands were ignored by the suspect as Trooper Anderson called out for help and I alleviated the threat to him. I firmly believe that that morning I was put there, as Colonel Milstead said before, by God. It's difficult to think about that day still. I am just thankful that I was able to respond with the courage, dignity, grace, and poise that ultimately saved Trooper Anderson's life. He goes on to say that he does not consider himself a hero at all and that he states the only reason he came forward is to help himself get through this situation and begin the healing process. And this has been your Global Gun News Report for this week of January 29th, 2017. And now, back to Michael Cargill in the studio. I tell you, he may not consider himself a hero, but he's definitely a hero in my eyes. And I love the way he worded that. Don't you, Rachel? I do. Alleviated the threat. <laughs> he sure did. All right. So now we're we're going to bring into the conversation Raul Roy Camacho. Uh, Raul is a LTC instructor, and he's the owner of Safety Measures. Uh, Raul, welcome to Come and Talk It, sir. Thank you. I appreciate being here. I appreciate you inviting me here. Outstanding. Yeah, so, uh, Raul, so what do you think about constitutional carry? Now, that's the big topic of the week. Uh, Representative Jonathan Stickland uh, filed that bill this year, and a lot of people are supporting constitutional carry. And for those that do not know, constitutional carry means that you will be able to carry your firearm openly or concealed without a license. Uh, So, Raul, an LTC instructor, what are your thoughts on that? Sure. Well, my, I'm really not for it, to be honest with you. That doesn't make me anti-Second Amendment or anything like that. Um, I'm a strong believer in the Second Amendment, um, but also believe that the 14th Amendment, uh, you know, tells the states that we have, and I mean, it gives the states the rights to um, give some kind of authority of wearing of the arms. And so... I love our, our state, uh, on our state uh, statute, um, you know, our constitutional statute, and I think it's it's a it's a good uh, statute, and I don't think it needs to be changed. All right, so and let me bring into the conversation uh, Justin Delosh, the legislative director for Lone Star Gun Rights. Uh, Justin, what's your response to that? I'd also like to bring up the Tenth Amendment. The power is not delegated to the United States by the Constitution, nor prohibited by it. 
to the states are reserved to the states respectively or to the people. What does he think about that? Well, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of, there's a lot of talk back and forth with people who have different opinions and so forth. But if you look at the there's about what twelve or eleven uh, Supreme Court cases, they all said the same thing that the states have a right to regulate the wearing of arms, and so it's been like that. The last one, which, which uh, I believe was. Uh, oh, I agree. There's been a lot of law, bad laws passed for sure. I don't I don't disagree with that at all. No, what I'm saying is that no, the Supreme Court, many times Supreme Court. <laughs> no, I, I, under, I understand what you're saying. I'm just saying just because they passed a bad law does not mean that it's uh, right. Or so, just. so I think I think yeah. what Justin is really asking is what do you have a problem with the fundamentals of constitutional carry? You know, do you have a problem with an individual having a right to be able to carry their firearm openly or concealed without a license, without having to ask permission of the government? Well, you know, it's funny how people twist the words. We're not, you know, you're never getting a permission. You're being vetted, and that's the difference between the, the rhetoric but the talk. Most most NRA members believe in the concealed carry permit program. Um, that's the majority. Uh, most gun owners believe in some kind of vetting as well. Most people believe that you're going to be educated and trained with a gun. Uh, you know, if you're going to be carrying a gun in public. So, but that shouldn't um, be controlled by the government. That's up to the gun owner to make the decision to go learn how to use their firearm. It shouldn't be state-mandated or federal-mandated saying you have to do this. But my question is, why do you think we should have to pay money, be taxed, to be able to carry our gun? What about the 75-year-old grandma or grandpa that's on Social Security that can barely afford to pay their bills but still want to be able to carry their gun inside H-E-B? Sure. Why can't they oh. carry their gun? Because w- sure, no, they can't I, pay the $200 to take a class? Yeah, and no, I don't agree that our state should, uh, you know, charge, what, 140 bucks. I think they said, 140 bucks for a person to, uh, you know what I'm saying, to uh, get their license or permit. Yeah. Plus I mean, the fingerprint fees. $25 or something like that. So anyone can afford $25. Um, also, if you look at the, uh, you said grandma that wants to go into HEB, uh, they are, they're, they're, there already is a discount for, uh, for senior citizens. Okay, well, what about the 28-year-old single mother of three that the dad left and is abusive and she wants to have a gun and carry it around on her to protect herself from an abusive dad that wants to kidnap the kids. What about that, Mom? What do you say to her when she has to go and decide, well, do I feed my kids or do I go ahead and get my gun and carry it around? Or does she decide to go ahead and break the law, conceal carry a gun, and hope she doesn't ever get caught with it? I mean, you, it, there's, there's hundreds of her circumstances. Yeah. What about the 22-year-old college kid that now wants to be able to carry on campus? And he doesn't even have a job because he's a football player and he's on scholarship. And scholarship students aren't allowed to have a job. They can't have employment or they lose their full scholarship. So what about that kid? What do you tell him? Hey, just because you're on scholarship, too bad you can't have a gun? Less than 1%. Of the, all these scenarios that you're giving me, it's less than one percent. Uh, you know, of the situation. It's still one person. It's you know, still so. one person that's well, being infringed. Their rights well, are being infringed. All right, hold on. Let's go to. Uh, let me go to Justin. Go ahead, Justin. Roll. Let me ask you this: How, what, what percentage of Texans do you think are driving around with handguns in their glove compartment right now? Oh, quite a bit, I'm sure. Uh, I, I would argue that it's probably more more going around with a with a with a handgun in their in their glove compartment than have uh, that have got the CHL. Would you agree with that or disagree? 
Oh, it's, it's, I mean, it's a fact. I mean, we know that. There's no argument on that. So that's not going to be the issue. The issue is, is that... Where, where is the data? My, my it, point is, where is the data to back up that anything you're claiming is going to happen? Because there is none. Well, the data that I'm looking at is actually uh, what's been uh, happening in other constitutional carry states. You know, uh, people were saying that, you know, the crime has gone down. And Wyoming is violent and Vermont is violent. Uh, they're the safest states in the union. If I'm oh, I know correct. that. I, I did my research. I know that. But when you look at Alaska, you have to think about, you have to think about the you know, population. You know, they also uh, allow felons to carry up there because of the animals. So... You can't well, really funny. necessarily take all of Alaska into you consideration. Might be surprised. I don't have a problem with people felons with felons who are non-criminals. I mean, felons that are non-violent to carry guns. I don't have a problem with that. But I do have a problem with felons who are, you know, who are violent to to be able to carry guns. All right. So let me go to. Think uh, people should have to get licenses in order to purchase firearms. You have to get one now. Do you think that we should commit uh, that we should have to go through a safety course and have a license in order to purchase firearms? Not to, for purchasing, but if you're going to be carrying a gun in public, you better know what the hell you're doing with the gun. Because, I mean, that's, that's the only right that you have um, that, is, that gives you a tool. And that tool, man, it's, you know, it can be deadly if it's, if it's not used wisely. And so I think yeah, we all know that. education should be the forefront. What about um, going to a shooting range? You don't think that people – like, I'm a perfect example, okay? Um, I have a gun. I don't have an a open carry license i never went i'm a business owner i've tried i've scheduled but oftentimes there's a conflict of interest um and my priority is running my business um i was in an abusive relationship got divorced and um, have been attacked and so i've made it a priority to carry a gun legally where i can but one thing i do is i go to the shooting range and i learn how to shoot because guess what if i shoot if if i fire the gun i want to hit the person okay i don't want to miss so i make sure that i know how to use it don't you think that people that carry guns you think they're just going to buy the gun throw it in their glove compartment and never figure out how to use it <laughs> yes absolutely uh, we know for a fact that most people who won't even read the instructions on a firearm. Uh, we know for a fact that most people, that once they get their LTC, uh, they never do a follow-up and further their training. Um, you know, I got... So you, know, you, so you think that we should have a law where we make them take the class? If they're going to carry a gun, a license to carry, yes. Uh, if it's constitutional carry, same thing. I mean, you'd be surprised how many people don't uh, don't understand the law. I mean, there's people out there that think that it's okay to shoot someone just for simply trespassing on your property. Uh, you, you guys are instructors. You should know this. I mean, you got students in there that think it's okay to shoot a trespasser just for simply trespassing on their property, which is incorrect. So they need to be, you know, knowledge is important if you're going to be carrying a gun or if you're going to be uh, using this gun, in, you know, for self-defense. Okay, so Raul, this is Rachel Malone. I'm also an instructor here in Austin. So I just have a couple of questions for you. So I, I, I support constitutional carry. I think there are several reasons that I believe we can legitimately argue constitutional carry is the correct option for Texas. I believe it is a safer option, and I, I believe I have some statistics to support that. I also believe that, or I see that Texas legislature has been given the authority to regulate the wearing of arms with a view to prevent crime. I right. don't believe that the permitting system 
prevents crime. And so therefore, I believe that it is legitimate to drop the license requirement. But honestly, to me, the most important reason why I support constitutional carry is I don't believe it's the government's responsibility to protect us, nor do I believe they even could protect us if we wanted them to or if we assign that authority to them. I believe it is a personal responsibility issue. So um, that is the ultimate reason why I support permitless carry, because it is ultimately up up to the individual to protect themselves. And I, I'd really love to hear your comments on that. But when we come back, we're talking with Rachel Malone, Texas Firearms Freedoms. We're talking with Raul Roy Camacho's safety measures. And we're talking about people that are for and against constitutional carry, talking about instructors. We're talking to instructors who are for and against. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. This is State Representative Jonathan Sicklin, and you are listening to Come and Talk It on Talk 1370. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now, here's Michael Cargill. All right, we're talking with instructors that are for constitutional carry and against constitutional carry. So let me bring back to the mic Rachel Malone with Texas Firearms Freedom. Go ahead, Rachel. Hi, thank you. So, Raul, um, I just asked a question. So I I believe constitutional carry is the correct option for Texas, not only because I think it is legitimately uh, the the in the best interest of Texans for the legislature to drop the permit requirement. I believe it's safer. I believe it results in less crime. But ultimately, because I believe it's our own personal responsibility to protect ourselves. It's not up to the government, nor should we assign them that authority. And so I was interested to hear your comments on that issue. Yeah, that's like an individualism uh, mindset. I mean, that's like, you're, you're, you know, that's like being a libertarian. You know, they think it's that simple that everyone's going to be responsible or that everyone's going to be uh, knowledgeable with the laws and, and able to handle a handgun, you know, instantly. Or they're born with, um, you know, knowledge of how to be responsible. Uh, Didn't you uh, run for office as a libertarian? I ran for a libertarian, but my principles were a little different. So you're not a libertarian. You just ran for office as a libertarian. Yeah, I was running for libertarian. You were running for Democrat. So, you know, we, we, you know, we were uh, – my principles were just a little different. I was trying to open the horizon of the libertarian mindset because – So you really weren't a libertarian running as a libertarian. So do you think that if constitutional carry is passed that there's just going to be – blood in the streets it's gonna be the wild wild west and shootouts everywhere or something because that's what i honestly feel like you're saying like if constitutional carry comes to fruition then for a fact that crime has gone down throughout the whole nation we know that for a fact and not all of it has to do with constitutional carry we know that it's because people are carrying guns either concealed or constitutional carry but here are the facts when you look at stuff like, 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 for instance, like Alaska, Alaska's had their constitutional carry since 2003. And if you look at the, the, the uh, murder rates, the violent crimes, aggravated assault, all that has been skyrock- skyrocketing for the past 14 years. They also have an insane meth issue and speed issue. They have, they have a lot more issues than gun issues up in Alaska. So Alaska is really not too fair to lump into this. Let's go after the other states besides Alaska. Right, How about so Vermont, the safest the, uh, state in the entire union? What about yeah. Wyoming, the other safest state in the union? What about those two? They both have constitutional carry. They require no permit, no nothing, and yet 
There's no shootouts. There's not blood in the streets. There's nobody capping each other, doing drive-bys and all that other crap. So yeah. I so just I don't not, see where you where your freak out is. Very liberal state, first of all, and they do a lot of hunting. Uh, their population is completely different from ours, and so in Wyoming, same thing. The, the demographics and the and the actual uh, the population is very different from ours. So, so are those are those people more special than we are? Are they more educated? Are they more gun savvy? Or or what what's what's the difference between me being a Texan and them being a Wyoming or whatever they're called? The, well, what's I the difference? A couple of things, mainly here in Texas, we have the most lost or stolen guns than any other state in the union. It's not because we have the most guns either. You know, we know that all. We know for a fact if you guys do y'all's research that Iowa has the most guns per capita, and so that tells you right there that we're here in Texas. We need, you know, we need a lot of people that need to get. So, what do you together. think we should do? Should we have more laws to restrict guns? What we sh- what should we do then? No, not at all. Not restrict. So, what should uh, we do? You know, don't put words in my mouth. I didn't well, say then what should we do? Well, I, I have a I have a question. Education, education and training is the key, and that seems to be the argument between. Uh, and so, you don't uh, think we're educating or training people here in the state of Texas? The what now? You don't think we're educating and training people here? Oh, we are doing that, but as soon as we go constitutional carry, uh, that that training is going to go away. So what about Arizona? People are going to follow Arkansas up after they, after they uh, get their gun. Uh, do you think they're going to really you know, get quality training well, like they should? You you, you said that but Texas you, has the most lost or stolen guns, correct? That's absolutely correct. Okay. You get up for ATF. Okay. I, okay. I'm not going. I'm not disputing that. So if we have the most lost or stolen guns, apparently somebody's stealing them, and when they're lost, whoever's finding them is not returning them to whomever they belong to. Do you think those people that steal the guns um, are going to go get their license? Or what do you no, uh, like? Uh, what do you uh, think uh, you're going to solve? I don't know where you're going with that, but uh, <laughs> okay. So, so bringing it back, I think that brings it back well to the personal responsibility issue. So, you were asked, saying earlier, you know, I sounded libertarian, or I sounded um, like I expected everybody to do the right thing. Actually, I believe in personal responsibility because I don't expect everybody to do the right thing. I expect there to be stupid people. I expect there to be people who break the laws and do the wrong thing and want to cause harm. Hopefully not the majority of people, but yes, those people will always be there. There will always be people who break the laws and want to cause harm and do evil. And the government is not capable of protecting all the peaceful law-abiding citizens who don't want to break the law from those who would do harm. And because that state of evil exists, that's why I believe that those of us who would like to obey the law should be, uh, the state should recognize our ability to protect ourselves, our right to protect ourselves, and should not regulate that right. And And that's why I believe in the permitless system. Okay, so I understand. Okay, that's fine. So you're, you're talking about only one, let's say, you know, one of the issues, like you're saying, that, you know, these bad guys or whatever, they got to be punished, blah, 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 that's fine. But there's another side to the coin. There's people who are just not, uh, you know, th- th- we're not talking about criminals. We're talking about the people, the gun owners that don't want to take the, you know, take a training class, the people that don't want to be educated. Right, and there will always be those people around, even, no uh, matter what government requirements so, there are. So let's say, so there's a... For instance, I saw a review on Michael Cargill's uh, deal where the lady gave him a bad review because uh, he, I don't know what he said to her, because she, and I found out later that she pointed the gun towards him. She had, she had you're talking about, you're her. talking about a customer that came into the store yes, uh, right. that my, my employees used the code word for because she also, the problem was she said some things like as uh, it, I need to find something that I can kill someone with. 
Okay, that well, is the, the, that's what you're referring to. So we removed her from the store. It was either remove her from the store or call the police. So what she did is she went outside the store, sat down in the parking lot, and left a review. That's what you're referring to? Yeah, so. Okay. So do you think right. that person yeah. She wanted to kill someone, fire? but go ahead. <laughs> no, no, she did not purchase a firearm. We're not going to purchase a firearm to someone that walks into the gun store and say, I, I, need, I need something that's going to kill. I want to kill someone. So if you don't want her to have a firearm, well, let's let's say two you know two weeks later on down the road, she you know, she recants what she says, she regrets what she says. Now does she have a right to have a firearm? Well, actually, well, let's see. How about, how, about the, how about the guy that w- came from the hospital at South First there, right down the street from my shop, who walked into the shop that wanted yeah, to buy a gun, and that. then he turned around, he's, you know, he said he wanted to buy the, a gun and about 150 rounds of ammunition to go to the hospital, shoot and kill everyone at the hospital. She would have sold him a gun as well? No. What we did is we called the police and had him put in jail. Well, and the difference and is... My, is I, I got a question. They had their rights still. They never lost their right to own a firearm. They never, yeah, so they never lost their rights, but should they have the right to carry a firearm? And see, un- unlike other people, I don't have the time to sit. I don't have the time to sit and review people' reviews. My job is no, to no, instruct what people. No, so, what's your point? The, the question is: do they, do they have a right, knowing that they are mentally ill? Do they still have a right to have a gun? Is that what your belief is? Is that what you're saying that they have Here, a right? Here's to your scenario. The scenario was: lady went in psycho style. Mike refused service. Businesses can refuse service. Does not mean that she lost her rights. If in two weeks later she decides to go to GT or to any other gun store and buy a gun and she's not going in there saying, I'm going to kill somebody, then of course she can buy a gun. Now, if later she decides to use that gun and actually kill someone, then she's held responsible and she can deal with the consequences. Exactly. But that's not Mike's responsibility to regulate that. He can refuse service if he wants to. And if we don't like who is legally allowed to possess a firearm, that's a completely different issue than constitutionally carry. The constitutionally carry bill provides that whoever is legally authorized to possess a firearm or who is not prohibited from possession may carry that firearm. So if it's a possession issue, let's address that separately and let's not tie that in. Because in my mind, if 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 you believe that somebody is, is not safe enough to possess a firearm, um, that that also that person would also not be safe to carry it. It sounds to me like he thinks we should have to have licenses in order to purchase firearms. That's what it sounds like to me. No, I didn't say that. You have to have a license. To, uh, that you need a license to purchase a gun. What I'm saying is that I know, but you're you're, you're walking us down that that hall when you start. No, talking no, no. You're putting words in my mouth, like typical, you know, typical libertarian mindsets or individual individualism mindsets. You I'm know, you're putting words in people's mouth. Yes. Um, so coming from the one that ran what I'm trying to say is that people have, have a right to buy, you know, buy guns. Yes, we understand that. And people have a right to, you know, uh, have a gun for self defense. There's nothing wrong with that. But you know. There's got to be some guidelines and some. I know, but but the scenarios you were just talking about that you tried to bring up as examples, what what law would have prevented that? Mike did the right thing and refused service to them. So, and, and that has nothing to do with the constitutional carry, anyways. We're talking about people who can already legally possess firearms, being able to carry them, and then you brought up something about somebody purchasing firearms. So it's like, where do you want to stop the line here? Yeah, there will there will always be stupid people or criminals or people with evil intent or people who just aren't trained who have firearms and they will be breaking laws or not breaking laws, but there will be those stupid people around. And our defense against that is to take personal responsibility and be trained ourselves and be armed and be responsible for our own protection. 
Well, it sounds like to me that you guys are okay for stupid people to buy firearms. Absolutely and, uh, not. And not and, 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 <laughs> and, and, and because it's their constitutional right. Is that what you're telling me? That's, that's exactly not, what I'm exactly saying. Not. I'm telling you that the, the smart people outnumber the stupid people greatly, and I don't I don't believe in having the smart people have to go through these regulations to stop a few bad apples. That's what I believe. And we need funny YouTube videos. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> I want to bring this in, though. So let's say this lady. What happens when these stupid people start, you know, uh, injuring or, you know, killing uh, third parties? Well, let's put, it be funny then? Then they go to jail and they deal with that. That's what happens. We when you go system. when you go to class and learn how to shoot, if if I'm in the store and a guy is robbing the store and I shoot that guy and the bullet goes through him and hits the clerk behind the counter and I kill that person, I'm held responsible. It doesn't matter who you are. If you kill somebody shooting someone and not in defense, then you're going to go to jail. If these stupid people want to go buy a firearm and then go shoot somebody by accident or not, then they should go to jail. It's That's how it works. Now, the thing is, it's, it seems like it's that simple, too. I mean, there's a little bit more, life is a little bit more complicated than that. You know, it is? Here's the, here's the benefits of a mandatory license to carry. First of all, it provides education. Hold that thought. Hold that thought. Right? We'll come back from break. Hold that thought. I'm hearing a whole lot of lipping and lapping, slipping and slabbing, jugging and jabbing. Uh, so we're going to have to get down to the bottom of this mockery. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. This is Brittany Glaze, and I get my global gun news from Michael Cargill on Come and Talk It. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now, here's Michael Cargill. Okay, so now let's dig into this and let's dissect this a little bit. All right, so Raul, you know, I'm, I'm a little confused now because you are an LTC instructor. You ran as a libertarian for office, but you're on the board for Texas Gun Sense. And, and Texas Gun Sense is, Rachel... Okay, so the, I'm looking at the mission statement for Texas Gun Sense from the website. It says, Texas Gun Sense advocates for common sense, evidence-based policies to reduce gun injuries and death. Texas Gun Sense respects the Second Amendment and also believes that public safety can be improved by strengthening gun laws. Now, when I advocate for gun rights in the Capitol through Texas Firearms Freedom, which is my organization, I always encounter Texas Gun Sense representatives lobbying there, and they're always... Uh, testifying against the gun bills that I'm testifying for. So they're for greater gun restrictions. So I, I would just like to know what uh, public sa- or what gun laws do you think uh, would improve public safety? First of all, um, I'm on the board member of theirs for the actual uh, safety committee. So when it comes to farm training and safety, uh, I'm a board member of them. Okay, so what and, gun laws do you uh, think? With the TMPA. So, so it TMPA. says you, you believe, Texas Gun Sense believes that public safety can be improved by strengthening gun laws. What gun laws is that talking about? Well, definitely do background checks. Universal background checks is good. That's one. I thought earlier um, you said sure that people are educated and trained with firearms and, and, and you know how to be responsible. Uh, there's something wrong with that. Um, let me ask you this real so, quick. Well, earlier, hold on. Earlier you said that you know you're, you're talking universal background checks. Um, go ahead. Earlier you said that uh, when it comes to universal background checks, you said that uh, for background checks, you know, if you weren't uh, like a a felon who was like, um, you know. A felon with a an offense like a crime against a person, then you know you said that you're fine with that person, you know, owning a gun. All right, go ahead. Yeah, 
Uh, let me ask my question first of all. So let me start with my question, then I'll answer your question. So let me ask you, Michael and Rachel, right? Y'all both instructors, correct? Absolutely. Correct. Okay, so what are the two major what are the two major causes of gun accidents committed by people? Causes of gun what? I'm sorry. What are the two ma- major causes of gun accidents uh, committed by people? Tell us. No, you, I mean you should know this. No, this tell is, us. This is your this, this is your question. Go ahead, tell us. I'm asking. I'm waiting for your question. You should know this. You're an instructor. This is something that you need to know to tell your students. So please, you know, please you know, tell your audience what are the two major. Causes Go ahead. Of tell us. Action. Let me hear it. Go ahead. Tell us. We can play this all day long. <laughs> well, so let me educate you. What are they? Ignorance and carelessness. Right. Okay. You and then you should know that. Right. You should know that. Ignorance. Um, so here's the benefits of having mandatory license to carry. Education gives people knowledge. It's informative. It provides structure and discipline. It enhances people's rights. So tell me, what do you want? What do you want the state of Texas to do when it comes to legislation? What do you you want? What new rules do you want us to come up with? What laws do you want us to draft? Because you said strengthening gun laws, which means not just maintaining. So what? What changes would you like to see? Just keep everything current the way it is. Okay, so you don't actually want to improve it by strengthening gun laws. You just want to maintain. I, the gun laws are perfect the way they're I mean, okay. right now, except for maybe, maybe just you know, do some. So uh, you're saying the gun laws are perfect, but you want them strengthened. How? I don't understand. So, or do you not agree with the mission statement um, on, of Texas Gun Sense, which you're board, on the board of directors for? Oh, the price. You got to lower the price of the actual, uh, you know, the LTC class. I think, I mean, that's that, what does it have to do with safety? Oh, I'm, hold on, I'm going to tell you, there's some things I, I, that I agree with um, with you guys, and some of the things I agree with uh, Texas uh, Gun Sense. The, the thing I agree with Texas Gun Sense is that we should re- do everything possible um, to uh, provide public awareness. And the uh, things they've uh, been doing possible is they're try- they've been trying to restrict uh, uh, law-abiding citizens to be able to carry here in the state of Texas. No, that is incorrect. Really? That, that, they've they've actually they lobby yeah. against everything that we lobby for. Yeah, I actually talked to the, the lobbyists from there um, in, the, in the Capitol, and we, we discussed, and they say, yeah, actually, I they, they tell me they disagree with that everything that I'm correct. testifying that is, for. Yeah, just, that, that's, it's a lie. So really? Are, are they lying anybody? about what they say? Yeah, no, you're lying what you're saying. So I mean, there's no opposition <laughs> whatsoever in the state of Texas for anything that we're trying to push? Yeah, and, and whoever's talking in the background needs to come to the, the mic. The thing that I see that <laughs> do, the only thing they're trying to do is prevent constitutional carry because they know that education and 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 you know training is going to go out the door. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's a good. That's actually, thing actually, make a good so look at the other states that have passed constitutional carry. Actually, more people end up getting a license. By the way, so do you think that taking a six-hour class issues? So, and shooting 50 rounds of ammunition makes you an expert? No, no going to safety measures apparently does. That's <laughs> funny how you just use me. But go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, back to the question where you said that uh, you asked me, like, uh, the Constitutional State places where most people go ahead and take a class. Hey, that's great. But those, the, that, those, that percentage of people that don't take a class... Um, they're putting everyone else at risk because they did not want to take a class. They did not want to go through the well, full training. Uh, and I, and I know when it comes to the class, do, do you not know that back in 1995, organizations like Texas Gun Sense, which they were called something else back then, they were actually lobbying against the handgun license bill, the, you know, the organization that you're on board with now? Uh, 
and they also know that I was for campus carry. Uh, did you know that too? Did, did, uh, they were, know that I don't agree with everything well, that they say. Let me ask you so, this: Just because you're on board I'm, with the, with I'm the just confused. Why would you, you, if you claim amendment. to be someone that is pro Second Amendment, why would you be on board with the anti-gun organization? They're not anti-gun. That's, that's, see, that's just rhetoric that you guys uh, talk about all the time. Okay, Bro, so last, let me ask last, you this. Let me, last session, let me hang on with that testimony. So last session and the time before, I, I've testified on about 15 or 20 gun bills. I run into people who hand me the Texas Gun Sense card, say I'm testifying with Texas Gun Sense. I say, okay, cool. I, I, I support a lot of sense and logic. Let's talk. And they say, they look at my card. It says Texas Firearms Freedom. They say, oh, no, we are on the other side. Those are the exact words I've heard from them. It doesn't mean that I agree with it. Okay. And or with them. So are you uh, trying to instance, change like, instance, things? I mean, I'm for HB 246. I'm also for HB 259. Um, so, you know, I mean, there's there's different there's differences. So everyone's going to have a different opinion. You have uh, many NRA members, man, that do not agree with the way the NRA is heading itself right now. No, but what they are doing um, is they're actually know, going to the NRA board mem- like meetings and they're actually saying, hey, why don't they're actually being proactive and say this is the way we should do things and, and getting into the process with the side that they know that is the better side. But you're you're advocating against lawful gun owners. You're advocating against people that, you know, like we've said here today, that are not well, this, able to this, afford, you know, those things do, that everyone can afford. Credit me, and you're just, just trying to make sure that, you know, my business doesn't well, get enough business because that's what you're trying to do. Let, let me ask you a question real quick, Earl, and this is legit from what you've said. Let me make it clear real quick. Honestly, sir, you, you're, you're on a whole other side of town, and, and honestly, we, we, we don't care anything about that. This is the Come and Talk Your Radio Show. So let me ask you this, Roel. So you've said that if constitutional carry goes into effect, that all of the training will go out the window. So do you really think that me taking a six-hour class and shooting 50 rounds through my pistol is really efficient enough training to certify every, I mean, you're talking about training, and you just said most people don't ever come back. So do you believe that one class, the one time you see that person, they could be 21 years old, and at 75 years old, they haven't gone back to a single class? I don't understand your logic on all of this simply because of that. logic either, but, um, you know, some training is better than no training at all, Right. You can, can you at least agree with that? A false sense of security with, when the government says, attend this class and you were going to license you, is worse than giving a person full responsibility and saying, you, it is up to you to exactly. research and find the level of training that is a responsible level for a citizen who carries a gun. Exactly. Yeah. So here's, like, all I can say is that the majority of gun range safety officers and reputable gun dealers and farm instructors would agree that, that many gun users and buyers need to be more educated on firearms. It's for their safety and others. Absolutely. You know? And we agree uh, with that statement. We're firearms instructors. We want we, people to come to classes, not just so we can teach them, but because we, we legitimately want people to learn and be educated and, and be better shots and understand the law better. Absolutely. We're all gonna, for I education. I was going to say, nobody disagrees with that. Everybody thinks that they should have more training. They should constantly pursue training. Absolutely. But having the state do your dirty work for you and, and funnel funnel business through your business, 
not good. And, and I could spend 140 bucks on actual firearms training instead of wasting money on a license. And while usually concealed carry holders or open carry holders are using a firearm when they use it for self-defense, ultimately, I believe the right to keep and bear arms was established not not for hunting, obviously, not just for self-defense, but ultimately as a, a defense against a tyrannical government. So my issue is if the government has control over who has access and who is allowed to bear those arms, we defeat the purpose of our right to keep and bear arms. I thought we lived in a country where we were innocent until proven guilty. Yeah, very anti-government about everything, it sounds like. You know, I mean, the majority of farm, this is on guns. farm people out there, they believe that, hey, look, education and training should be important. And if you're going to be carrying a gun in public, you better know what the hell you're doing. Um, so I, I just... I just don't understand your logic either. And I mean, a six-hour I mean, class yeah, makes you know what you're doing. Individualism, mindset, maybe our sovereign citizens. I have no idea, but I mean, that's just a whole different. Okay, mind. go ahead. So I want to put things in this perspective. So we are going for regulations and no regulations. So from what I'm listening here, from let's go take oh. it back to that example earlier, where you know someone cargo refused service. Okay, so what's stopping her from going to an unregulated location, such as a store, and buying a hammer and doing the job, or buying fertilizer and creating a bomb, or taking ammonia must- and um, bleach and making mustard gas? What's stopping her from going to an unregulated place that could potentially do more harm or taking her car and plowing through a bunch of crowd? To me, that's all... In a sense, compared to farms, that's in an uncontrolled environment. We're trying to control something. And what's funny is we see all this uncontrolled stuff going on on a daily basis, you know, buying hammers, tools, vehicles going down the road. And the amount, to me, the error ratio to firearms is so minuscule. So when we take constitutional carry, carry, we're actually just evening the playing field is what I'm seeing. So are you telling me that you're pro-abortion? No, I'm not pro-abortion in any regards. I'm much rather pro-choice because that's what's best for everybody. Uh, in my personal opinion, I would say, no, if you're going to have a kid, you know, you need to actually have the kid. You've started a cycle of life. That's where it begins. But what's what, What's your point? So you're saying that the government should be involved um, in your life, but not you know not with your guns? Is that what you're saying? No, we're saying no, they, they should not be involved. Out. The government should yeah, be involved at all. To me, the only thing the government should have any authority of doing is because we're through the people, by the people, to create some framework or a base to build off of. That's the only way I see it. They should be able to say, this, you know, us working with them saying, okay, hey, this is one how we need to stabilize ourselves as a society. They're just a foundation. Why should the foundation come up into things and start bleeding in? There's no limits. Is that what you're saying? I say, yeah, everyone could do whatever they want, regardless whether it's good or bad. It's up to the person. There's a demand, supply and demand. And if we're going to keep giving the demand to people to kill people, then yes, there's going to be a continuous issue. The question is, how do we supplement that demand to be lower or to be diminished? For this to be a restriction of that, restriction of that never has worked. So what can we do as society or people for the people, by the people, to actually remove this demand? That's the only way this is going to go away. Sure. Here, look, well, here's people. 
people blame government, uh, actually, it's, it's a society demanding this from gun owners to be responsible, to be educated, and so forth. So it's not government, you know, trying to – it's not a sole entity. Um, these these government leaders, man, they have constituents out there. I mean, they're saying, hey, look, uh, we don't like this constitutional carry stuff. Uh, it might take away, you know, education and training. We already know that most states that have, uh, you know, this constitutional carry uh, states, they have a lot of accidents except for two of them, which is Wyoming and uh, was no, no, they no, don't really. So Idaho, Arkansas, Maine. Go ahead, uh, uh, Justin. Well, Arkansas is top five when it comes to accidental gun uh, by by death, and it has nothing uh, to do with constitutional carry. Number one. Um, so Kansas is ranked number nineteen. Uh, Mississippi is ranked number third. Uh, hold on a sec. You know, uh, Wyoming, uh, Justin. Three. Justin, go ahead. Yes, sir. Yeah, well, can you show me the data that supports your, your claim that it has anything to do with constitutional carry? Because when I look at the data, it's it, before and after constitutional carry, there's no difference. There's a, there's a, there, there is a little bit of difference. I mean, you can see that the way that the crime trends have uh, changed. Uh, yes, overall crime has dropped, but when it comes to murder... But you, can't, crime, you cannot prove that has anything to do with constitutional carry. Exactly. It's the unconstitutional carry. A lot of people don't go through education. They don't do any kind of. You training. cannot prove that has anything to do with constitutional carry. So, because redneck Johnny out in the backwoods is doing what he wants and never intends to get a a permit or anything, anyways, because he shoots himself in the foot. We all should suffer for constitutional carry, so I can carry my handgun. Because backwoods redneck Johnny can't hold a shotgun and not blow his toes off. Is that what you're you know, saying? Well, thing in this world and so we have a lot of you know we have a lot of you know idiots out there man fall into this darwism realm of of accidents and and you know uh, well i tell you what we're gonna do what raul what we're gonna do is we're gonna send them to you because we know you can educate them uh we're talking about people that are for constitutional carry talking about people that are against constitutional carry this is michael cargill and you are listening to come and talk it Peace, this is Maj Touré. You're listening to Come and Talk at Radio with Michael Cargill. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now, here's Michael Cargill. I know a place. I know a place that we all need to go right now. And I tell you, I, I, it, it may be church. <laughs> it, it may be benders. It may, oh, it's definitely, definitely to the bar right now. I'm telling you right now. All right, so Raul, can you tell us something positive about, you know, what do you like about gun owners? Um, they're good people. Now, with like the liberal things that we are, we're not a whole bunch of you know gun nuts out there. There are there is a difference between a responsible gun owner and a gun nut. Um, I just wish liberals knew the difference. Licensed what do you, what do you, and unlicensed is the difference. What do you like positive about your you know about your students that come to you and 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 you know what what positive experience would you like for them to leave with? learn something um they you know they, they get understand it's a lifestyle that you're entering you know you're going to be carrying a gun on a daily basis uh you're entering a lifestyle it's not just a right but it's a lifestyle and that lifestyle requires you to be you know um be lawful have a good mindset and do you um, not think that all all instructors want the same thing well you, you, 
know, the thing, the difference is, is that you guys are talking about, you know, government intrusions and things like that. So let me ask you a question. Do you want government to uh, stop doing background checks on you when you go buy a gun? I mean, if you want government out of your lives so much, should we just stop doing background checks then? I didn't say that. Well, what's the difference between that and, and, and having a permit then? See, here's the thing. When you walk into the gun store, okay, uh, the gun store, your FFL dealers are governed by the, the federal government. So you have to follow federal guidelines. You have to follow those rules. But when, we come, when we're talking about universal background checks, when you say universal background checks, what you're talking about there is you're talking about a, you know, regulating a pri- – I don't know who's talking in the background, uh, but if he wants to come to the mic, tell him to come up to the mic and ask his question. But if you're you know, talking about a private sale from one person to another – um, that I have a problem with, you know, regulating a private sale from one individual to another, because we don't do that with any other products uh, that are being sold out there. So when it comes to, you know, universal background checks, you know, that's an issue. What about a convicted felon? What if I did something, you know, 30 years ago and I've never done anything wrong ever since I'm an outstanding citizen, I paid my debt to society, then I should be able to, you know, own a gun at home for personal protection. I should, There's no argument with that, Mike. I'm not arguing that. So, I, all right then. You know, so, what's the issue? What's the problem? There's no problem at all. But my my thing is, it sounds like you guys are so anti-government. That, I just that told you. I just rights, you asked me a question, and I told you the answer. That all of your rights should be unregulated. There should be a lot less regulation. What right? Be. What right is regulated besides the Second Amendment? Which other right is regulated? Do, well, the First Amendment, shoot, it's common sense. There are certain things you can say. I mean, you can protest and do all these other things, but, you know, if you start disrupting the peace, or if you start slandering someone or uh, doing something in that nature or whatever, I mean, you're going to get, you know, you're going to go to jail for that. I mean, so everything that, every right that we have is being regulated in some fashion or some manner. Okay, so if we use common sense as the guideline by which you know we, we set up our regulations, that's going to vary from person to person. What one person thinks is common sense, another person's going to disagree with, which is a beauty of the American society and of Texas. And so what I would bring up as our, as our guideline for when the government should get involved is when another person has caused harm to another, the government can come and punish them. For example, assault. The government can come and jail a person. Because there's a victim. Hey, Raul, I got another question for your role. Common sense um, is actually, yeah, a lot of people have different views of common sense, but that's why we have CCP, penal code, uh, our federal statutes to make sure that everybody is on the same page. Um, so that's, uh, there's, that, that shouldn't be an argument. All right, go ahead, Justin. Uh, yeah, I've got another question, Raul. We were talking about Supreme Court cases earlier. Are you familiar with the Supreme Court cases that state that cops have no constitutional duty to protect you? Oh, absolutely. We teach that in class. Uh, and I'm a former police officer myself, so I, I know that. We, we, stress people, we stress it out in class that, hey, no one's responsible for your safety but you. So you can't be relying on anybody else but yourself. Okay. Exactly. But so... you believe in placing more barriers in front of law-abiding citizens? No, the what now? It is a barrier. Whether you think it is or not, it is definitely a barrier. He said, do you, do you believe in, he said, do you believe in placing more barriers uh, – on law-abiding citizens. No, having having people go through a uh, educational and a training still uh, carry class uh, is not putting barriers. It's actually enhancing their rights. It's giving them knowledge and, and information for them to how to you know handle certain situations. That, no, that it is a barrier. It's out there. Nobody has to money. pay for that information. Every bit of information you're talking about, we can get for free. 
We have the Internet. We don't have to go to your class in order to learn that. Well, you know that not always everything that you read in the Internet is always accurate, right? And so, and, and we know where to go to to get accurate information on firearm safety, the laws, everything. We know where to go to for all that. We don't have you know, to take your class in order to have access to all of that information. You got instructors out there that are providing training material on the internet that is actually some of it's inaccurate. So here are people learning uh, some training methods or whatever, or you know, uh, watching online, and it's actually incorrect. You know, like for instance, uh, people uh, don't know how to handle misfires. You know, uh, that's one of the biggest misconceptions out there. When it has. Hey, I want to give a shout out to my uh, neighbor. Fred, man, he helped me a whole lot this weekend fixing my car, so I was able to get here to the show and have fun with you guys. So Ooh, thanks, Fred. Fred. All right, thanks, Fred. Well, I wanted to say real quick there, what's stopping someone from like watching a movie and saying, oh, I know everything. I know how to hold a gun, because to me, a firearm is, since the invention of gunpowder, since back then in China, to me, it's never been easier to kill somebody, and I think this is why it's so controversial, because it's so easy, but still, it's pretty easy to kill somebody in their sleep. So... To me, it's what's stopping someone from killing somebody in their sleep with a knife or a rock. And I want to give a shout out to the great people who have helped me become who I am and who have been family to me by teaching me about firearms and teaching me about safety and helping me be a better Texan. Woo-hoo. I appreciate y'all so much. And an awesome instructor you are as well. Thank you. All right. All right. So, uh, you know, Raul, I want to thank you, thank you for coming on the show. I really appreciate, you know, having you on the show today. Um, I, I hope feel that you, know, you guys are you know, being unfair within a balanced team. I have a whole bunch of instructors on the northwest part of Austin that totally disagrees with everything you guys are saying. Hey, not a problem. And that and that's your right. And, that, and we, we wish you well. And I, and whoever else, all those people that are in the background, we wish them well too. And they can also hang up, you know, hang on the phone and they can, you know, they can call us and talk to us. And we'd love to chat with them as well. You know what, Raul? God bless you. You have a wonderful rest of your weekend. Thank all right. So, uh, we, you know, I tell you, it's an interesting conversation, a very interesting conversation. Um, our goal here is to make sure that we're all educated, uh, to make sure that you have a choice. You, you, you have a right to go ahead and take a class and learn, you know, those things, learn safety. We encourage you to do that. You know, if you're going to carry a firearm, definitely go out there, you know, and take that class or you take some private classes or whatever and, and learn all the things that, you know, are about that firearm and definitely learn some safety. Uh, we don't think that, you know, it should be something that's mandated by the state or the government. Uh, it should be your choice to go ahead and do that. As always, more guns equals less crime. Go out and buy yourself a gun. You've been listening to Come and Talking with Michael Cargill. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.